telling you, man, I called every single party. Every single party. We have connections, you know? Not one, not one protester. No, you promised me protesters. We have a lot of graffiti artists, though. Look at, look at some of this stuff uh, going on. Wow, man. Anyway, I don't know. We only have a few days left till you come to the booth. You know what I'm saying? All right. Oh, hi. This is Season 2, Episode 36, Niagara 411 Live. We are fueled, as always, by Gale's Gas Bars. We are powered by WeStream. We are supported also, as always, by Performance Heating and Air. Enwick, Niagara's high-speed internet provider, as well as the Verge Insurance Group for all of your insurance needs. I'm Lee Sterry, as always your host here, as we work our way toward Fiddler's Poorhouse. Always, always gracious hosts as we spend our time in their great open-air window, and it's a beautiful, beautiful summer day. I know it's September. I know it's September, and usually uh, Labor Day is thought of as the official end of summer, but it's not. We have up until like the 20th, 21st, or whatever, it's still summer, and man, it is a beauty. So come on in. Uh, we're going to be talking protesters, uh, by the way. Go ahead, guys, you're more than welcome. Um, we're in your world, you're not in ours, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so come on into Fiddler's Poorhouse, and we'll uh, give you a better idea of what our lineup is today. We have a really full show, and uh, you're still invited to join us, and we'll tell you how you can do that as well. So, uh, just uh, hang tight with us while we get ourselves set up and we'll get over back in the set and uh, be right with you. Cheers. Here we are. Man, this is a beautiful day. And when I say beautiful, I mean not a lot of uh, humidity. It's just a nice, pleasant summer day. Nice to go out for a stroll, uh, maybe attend a political rally or two, and uh, maybe throw some pebbles. Um, yeah, here's, uh, here's where we're gonna start. We're gonna be talking, protesting. Today. There's been a lot of protesting going on in Niagara-on-the-Lake and a whole other issue. But here we are with uh, one of the displays of protests um, against Mr. Trudeau. And I know we've talked about the fact that we're not going to do a lot of political stuff here as we head up to the election. And really, we're not doing political stuff. This is not something that's intended to promote any party or sway your vote or anything of that nature. But it's been big news over the last week or so about the fact that the protesters have been in various places. In particular, the one that got our attention was the one that was in London. And that might even result in some sort of criminal charge laid against whoever if the investigators come up with the names or the identities of people that actually threw pebbles or stones at, uh, at Trudeau when he was getting back on his the tour bus. And so that's about as far as we're going to go as far with the, 
with a national side of what's going on because obviously you're exposed to all kinds of that from all these different venues, be it uh, radio, TV, social media, whatever. So um, what we're going to be talking about today slides out of this conversation about protests. Have protests and the art, well, it's not so much of an art really, or the, the incidence of, of protesting. Has it gone too far? Have we lost the, I guess it was an art back in the, back in, in the early days. Have we lost the art of effective protest and just turned into a bunch of hooligans? You be the judge. I pass, I pass no judgment. I mean, obviously I have my own opinions, but coming up on the program today in very short order, as a matter of fact, is uh, a representative of a group called Ban Horse Carriages Niagara. And you know that this debate has been raging for quite a number of years now, actually. And I'm, I, don't, uh, I don't exaggerate there. It has been years that this debate and this protest movement has been going on as far as the horse-drawn carriages in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Ban Horse Carriages Niagara is a group that believes that, because I've talked to them before in other venues, if you will, believes that no animal should be used in furthering the cause or in assistance of human beings. That's as I understand it from the last time we talked with one of their representatives, and I want to talk about that as well. So we're going to have uh, a representative uh, from that organization on, oh, five or so minutes from now. And then coming up right after that is a lady by the name of Liz Beatty. Her daughter is a, a driver of one of those characters, uh, carriages, <laughs> characters. That was a Freudian slip. Um, she handles one of the horse-drawn carriages in Niagara on the Lake. She's a young girl. She's only 17 years old. She often feels intimidated. And her mother is currently, Liz, the lady who's going to be joining us, is currently uh, under charge for allegedly assaulting one of the members of the Ban Horse Carriages Niagara organization. Now, it's interesting that someone that is currently involved in a legal situation is going to be doing an interview, but she said she wanted to come on and, and, and tell the story, and that's great. So she's going to be joining us, uh, well, whenever, uh, whenever uh, we're finished with the rep of uh, Ban Horses, uh, Ban Carriage Horses Niagara, whenever we're finished with that person, we'll bring Liz on right after that, and we'll have a conversation from her side of the street, okay? And uh, Kevin's got some, some video lined up to play as well. Oh, Kevin Jack, by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, on our... Uh, on the extreme right of your screen, he is, uh, along with Brandon Scram, the uh, head honcho, big cheese, etc., at uh, We Stream Niagara, the technology and executive production company behind this show. So, glad to see you again, Kevin. How you been? I've uh, been quite well. Happy to get on the ice. Was on the ice last night at the Gale Center, if anybody's wondering, talking uh, hockey. Sad to see, I know it's something else we'll touch on. Uh, sad to see the, uh, the rink behind West Park. 
Um, yeah, the ball hockey this ring. This was a victim of arson, so it looks like that's being torn up yeah. Saturday morning, but got in a good bout of ball hockey last weekend, so yeah. Everything's returning to normal. Kids are in school. Everybody's happy. Well, there's, Great to be here, Lee. That's uh, glad to have you here, too, Kevin. Uh, you look a little less stressed. Yeah, I am. Than, than you have been for the last year and a half or so. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's good to see. That's good to see. Your skin's clearing up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Honestly, it was not, not looking that good. Stress was taking its toll. Now, speaking of school, uh, looking forward to actually chatting with another guest that we have lined up today. She is a retired elementary school teacher, and she started her brand new job just uh, two, three days ago. Tuesday, whatever that was, two days ago. So this would be her third day. My mathematics skills are pretty sharp. She uh, is a, a crossing guard in, uh, in Niagara region, in St. Catharines. She is a rookie crossing guard and uh, just thought it would be kind of cool to talk to someone in that position. I mean, A, they've never done it before. Uh, B, uh, they're just recently retired from the, from, from the teaching profession. And uh, it's just uh, kind of an interesting, so what has your experience been like. Uh, Madeline is going to be joining us. Madeline Chabot is going to be joining us at about 1245 this afternoon. Jessica Gale Friesen, um, Gale's Gas Bar's CEO, is also going to be joining us uh, today, but not in the role of CEO. Jessica Gale Friesen will be joining us in the role of now published author. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, as the show goes on. But about 1 o'clock, Jessica will be joining us on the program. This Will Not Break Me is her book, her personal journey with postpartum depression. I find one of the most interesting things about this is her family didn't even know she was going through this when she did go through it uh, after the birth of her first child, Eddie. And this is like uh, about 15 years ago now. Uh, Fine family, fine young man. Uh, he has a, a great uh, sister as well, and I mean, everything seems uh, great, and uh, and it is. But pretty dark period in a woman's life when she goes through this, seemingly alone, um, when all she's ever wanted to be was a mom, and so that's kind of the real thumbnail sketch of that. So Jessica's in at one o'clock. Joining us uh, right now is a representative from the Ban Horse Carriages Niagara campaign. And uh, lest I mispronounce your name, uh, what is your name? It's Talar. Talar, okay. I know how it's spelled, but I didn't want to mess up the pronunciation. So No problem, thanks so, for asking. So, so welcome, uh, Talar, to the program. And, Thank uh, you. This issue of the horse-drawn carriages in Niagara-on-the-Lake, as I mentioned earlier, is not a new one. It has been debated and ongoing for quite a number of years. I've spoken with both sides of the issue, including the owners of these horses, over the past number of years in other venues than this. So, but um, if you could just give us a, a quick synopsis of your organization and what it is you have a problem with and what you're concerned about. Can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you for having me on. Um, I am simply a concerned citizen who is in support of a ban of this uh, extremely exploitative and dangerous practice um, of using horse-drawn carriages as a form of tourism or entertainment. Um, so 
just to briefly mention uh, why we're doing all of this and how it could be sort of prevented and what the long-term solutions are. It's been banned in over 35 cities worldwide. Um, and the reason is because horses are tethered to a very tight rope. Uh, they're pounding on pavement, you know, for hours on end every day. Um, they have been exploited for thousands of years and it's no longer necessary. Uh, the old town, as you know, is a very busy intersection and they're forced into dangerous traffic. There's a lot of movement going on, vehicular, you know, pedestrian, a lot of urban noises. Um, they work in heat, humidity, uh, sometimes it reaches 51%, rain, blizzards. Uh, we, we, we've seen videos of them collapse um, due to these weather conditions. We've seen videos of them you know, trying to escape their situation, running into people uh, and cars and buildings. Uh, they're at increased risk of uh, chronic respiratory ailments, ulcers, heat strokes, um, and horses are actually prey and herd animals. So they're very social. Uh, they need access to green pastures throughout the day and they can spook easily. Uh, and, and it can cause injury and death for both horses and people. Um, and also, you know, they're on all sorts of parts. They have blinders, there are whips, all oh, mechanisms no, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. sort of whips. force them into submission. Whips? I have ne I've been there many times, and I, I got to call you on that one, Talar. I've never seen one of these horses whipped in my if, life. If you go on the uh, Ban Horse Carriages Niagara Facebook and Instagram pages, there are several videos and photos All right. um, that show these parts that they're attached to. Okay. Um, now, you, you've made quite a number of claims uh, here. Is there is there scientific fact uh, to to support any of these with regard to like people that are um, horse not enthusiasts necessarily but veterinarians or people that are familiar with how horses react under different circumstances is there any science I guess is what I'm asking to back up some of the more outrageous um, claims and I, I'm not saying they're not true I'm just asking do you have backup for that? Uh, there absolutely is evidence, and we see that through, you know, horses' behavior. Uh, they're seen in distress. Uh, they are, you know, they're collapsing all over the world. In New York City, Chicago, Montreal have recently banned this. Um, and we actually have somebody, uh, an individual, another concerned citizen, who has worked with horses in the past. And she recently mentioned the breaking process uh, for a horse um, where they're forced into submission uh, and their spirits are completely broken and they just sort of feel defeated and, you know, conform. Okay. Um, I don't want to get into a, um, the position of involving my experience with horses which is reasonably reasonably significant over the years because then we get into a point counterpoint and I, I don't want to go there uh, I'm just trying to get a feel for for your organization uh, and and what its desires are now whom 
are you actually protesting to? Whom has the power to ban these carriages, these horse-drawn carriages in Niagara-on-the-Lake? Who makes the decision? So that would be the Niagara region. Ah. So it would be the Niagara Regional Councilors okay. um, who issue the licenses for the horse-drawn carriages to operate. Okay. Uh, we have a petition, an ongoing petition, uh, with 20,000 signatures at the moment that we'll be presenting to Niagara Regional Council. Um, and they make the decisions. We have... Okay. Um, so, yeah. Laura, let me ask you this. If it's a Niagara region and its councillors that make this decision, what is the what is the justification and we have video that we can play for you uh, but what is the justification behind members of your group um, being very vocal with bad language and bad behavior in the face of young people that are doing their job in these carriages and the horses that are are doing their job in the care. How how is that supposed to influence the Niagara Regional Council? So let me just first say that we believe that horses should live freely without being forced to work or being exploited. Um, so I'm not sure if you're referring to the uh, incident on August 14th where a 17-year-old Centennial uh, carriage employee That's one of them. was seen crying wolf um, about a peaceful, nonviolent protester uh, allegedly assaulting her. Uh, okay. we, are, we are a peaceful group. And we're all we're here to do is to provide freedom for horses. Okay, and Talar, we, we have we have we have a, we have video of a member of your group wearing a sign, holding a phone, giving the middle finger salute to people that are in a carriage as tourists in Niagara on the Lake, and then swearing at them in the worst, most possible way. Um, from across the street. How is that justified? How is that peaceful protest? I don't stand behind that. And, uh, you know, I can't control sort of individuals' behaviors and emotions. I myself am there to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to provide freedom for these horses. And, um, you know, there was an alleged assault uh, or there was an assault and Elizabeth Beattie was arrested yep. for um, assaulting a peaceful activist. This is all on video. It's mm -hmm. currently under police investigation and once the investigation is complete, the video will be released. On the Banned Horse Carriages Niagara page, this is public, publicly available video, uh, there is footage of the claimed incident uh, where you could see, the public could see, that it was, I mean, a situation where the person was crying wolf. The protester did not touch her. Um, the police did witness the assault by Elizabeth Beattie. Um, and right now it's with the court system. All right, you might want to hang around a little while after we're finished uh, talking today because uh Elizabeth Beattie is going to be joining us right after you leave the show. 
and we'll get the perspective on that. And yes, it is, uh, you are correct. She has been charged with allegedly uh, assaulting one of the protesters. Uh, it is a matter currently before the courts, so um, I'm a little surprised we're going to have that conversation, but we are. And it's just that, again, Talar, there are, uh, there are numerous things, and I, I was hoping we could reach out to the owner of these horses. I talked with her in, in previous years. And are you aware of what would happen to these horses if they were not employed doing what they're doing? Do you know what would happen to them? Yeah, so Centennial Carriages um, always sort of, sort of loves to claim that the horses are rescued. Uh, but if the horses are purchased from auction, uh, they're not rescued. They're, they're just recycled into another industry of exploitation. And this on a global scale, the horse carriage industry as a whole, perpetuates this cycle of breeding, using, and discarding uh, the horses to slaughter where when they're no longer uh, being used for labor. Sorry, exactly. So they'd be leave. so they'd be slaughtered. They'd be killed. So, no. What do you mean? No. <laughs> That's actually you just, not you just, true. You just said they they're, would they, if they, they didn't have. If, if they they would be killed uh, once they're no longer being used for labor by the carriage industry. Which is they what you're trying be to ban. They sent to sanctuaries. Okay. There are several horse sanctuaries uh, where the horses would live on pastures freely and not forced to work. Okay, might you know, I? The alternative, the alternative doesn't need to be to pull carriages. The alternative can be a, a sanctuary. Okay, uh, and and. And I do, I do appreciate you coming on, and I do understand. Uh, there is no larger uh, animal lover than, than myself. And the last thing, if I, if I actually felt truly um, that there was abuse here, I'd... I'd so I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth. I, I'm always torn when I get into discussions like this, and I can understand your group's concern. And, uh, I mean, there have been all kinds of animal rights organizations protest certain attractions in Niagara. I mean, Marineland being one, uh, the, the carriages in Niagara-on-the-Lake, uh, any zoo that operates, uh, for example, um, uh, animal for the pleasure of humans, etc. I, I mean, I get it. I, under, I, I understand the concept. What I, what I and, and others really would suggest, though, is that you re contain perhaps the more enthusiastic protesters in your group and learn what it means to peacefully protest uh, without, which, without, which intimi without intimidating people. Because your group does intimidate people, Talar. You are aware of that, aren't you? Um, as far as I've been with the, I mean, as far as I've been protesting, I have only seen peaceful protesters. Um, and wow, you should get out more. I also, I also want to mention, like, protesting and activism and uh, sort of disruptions are all part of a strategy that have been used for decades and decades in order to achieve a goal. 
And there are various ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't condone um, any sort of harassment. And I will also say that there is a lot of misinformation and confusion being caused by the supporters of the horse-drawn carriage industry. Uh, you know, they have been spreading rumors. Uh, they constantly smear, uh, you know, Niagara activist work. Um, and that's not acceptable. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you for your perspective. And I appreciate your position. But again, there has been enough smearing to go around in both directions. And um, I would suggest that it would be a good idea. And I, I believe wholeheartedly, I believe that you believe exactly what you're saying, 110%. Uh, and, and, and that your heart and your goals and your initiatives are in the right place. There are people in your group who need to be controlled. Uh, and you need to get a handle on it. And if it, if it is the Niagara region that are the ones that make the decisions, go rain on their parade because protesting to tourists and 17-year-old horse drivers aren't going to get it done. So Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, we are protesting um, for the Niagara region to issue this ban. Okay. Uh, we have different actions where we contact the council members, we present petition signatures, we present tourist testimonials. We have several videos where tourists are on, you know, the, the side of banning this it's cruel practice. And I encourage everyone to visit, uh, we, I mean, the Ban Horse Carriages Niagara is a media outlet. It's publicly available. Um, to you know, watch the videos, watch the tourist testimonials, and make their own conclusions. Okay. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we are our goal is to get Niagara Regional Council um, to prevent accidents, to prevent um, you know further assaults, and to really get to the root of the problem there, there, and provide. Yeah solutions okay we don't want to wait for a dangerous accident to occur which we have seen in other places worldwide okay because horses are you can't control their sort of behavior well they okay. they can fight back and they can react especially with noises going on especially in traffic okay this Tuara, is dangerous for both people and horses i just want to really you know make that point Okay, uh, and, I, and I appreciate you coming on here and uh, facing the music, as they say, to make that point, because it is a, it, it is a very divisive uh, issue, uh, but um, I think all of us, I think one of the things that we can all agree on is the fact that we don't want to see harm done to animals. We can all agree on that point. I guess it's the point of what defines harm and what doesn't and I really appreciate you making your case for us today and um, I, I hope we can have some more intelligent dialogue as we go forward I really appreciate it thank you thank you very much for your time and having me on my pleasure um, as a horse lover uh, I really don't condone using carriages for entertainment towards gotcha them. I I think we know that and I appreciate that thank you Talar.
Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Okay. Well, as they say, you be the judge of, uh, of that side of the story. Now, the incident that Talar was referring to was uh, an incident in which a 17-year-old carriage driver in Niagara-on-the-Lake felt intimidated. This is, this is my short form of the story, and, uh, and Liz Beattie will be on to flesh it out uh, shortly felt intimidated, called her mom, her mom comes down, there's a confrontation between her and uh, the protesters, and at one point in time there is some contact between Elizabeth Beatty and one of the protesters, and she is charged with assault. That's where we are at the moment with that story. So when Liz uh, clicks in, she's, uh, she's going to come on the program and we'll have a conversation. Yeah, we just got Liz in the green room and Liz, we're just waiting for you to fully connect uh, into Zoom. And again, anybody can join the program. There's somebody else there in the waiting yeah. room as well, Lee, and we'll get to uh, each and every one of you. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty interesting. I think both you and I understand both sides of this. You said that I do. you don't want to see any animals hurt in this. This also goes for, for us, the humans. I don't want to see any humans hurt. I don't want to see humans intimidated. And no, um, no. I understand where they're coming from. At the same time, maybe they should be protesting outside the Niagara Region headquarters. Take a carriage, take a, a carriage with a straw horse down to the region, and do your sign yelling over there because those are the people that you have to influence. I, just, I have, um, as 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 happened with um, at the Trudeau rallies with uh, people yelling obscenities and holding up signs with the worst of swear words uh, as we all know them and it's almost like we've got um, Trump campaign trainers walking around our country somewhere just having some sort of fun with us I, I don't I, this is this is not a world in which I am really really comfortable when we have people and uh, and we didn't show the video that I was talking to Talar about that was an absolutely disgusting display of human interaction. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we get to that, Lee? We do have Liz now. Do you so, want to play it? So we'll get to that. But yeah, let's play this video because right. I think it's significant. Because Talar wouldn't acknowledge the fact that people in their organization do this. Here you go. And, uh, sorry, not safe for work language coming up here. Oh, no, it's... Uh, it's pretty raw. See the guy holding the sign. Ban the carriage. So now he's taking a video of a carriage coming up the street in Niagara on the Lake. And he's going to say something. Shame on you for supporting slavery. There's the F word right there. There's the middle finger. All right. Um, so if you go back uh, and and really listen to that, uh, it's not it's not nice at all. Joining us on the program, Liz Beatty. Hi, Liz. How you doing? Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, did you have, uh, I know you're at work today, uh, and, and I hope that doing this interview isn't going to harm your 
harm your employment at all, but I appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you for having me. Um, please, first of all, before we get to the incident in question, please give me a background on how this whole thing evolved, including your daughter and what's like, tell us the story. My daughter works for the Sentinel Carriages, as you know, and she's been there for a couple years now. She loves her job. She loves working with horses. She loves to take care of the horses. Um, and about a year ago, uh, we had an incident where one of the protesters, I believe his name is Jason, the one that's actually in that video that you just played, swearing at the customers on the carriage, he actually yelled at my daughter. He waited till everybody was gone and it was just her alone. And he started to yell at her and intimidate her and swear at her. Um, he's trying to manipulate her decision as to working with the horse and buggy rides to not work with them. And I don't think that's right. Um, they had actually contacted my place of employment and sent a video into them. Um, with me confronting the protesters, which I actually asked to please leave my child alone. You're welcome to protest. I don't have anything against your protest. You're welcome to your own opinions, but just please let my daughter do her job in peace. Um, and when they were acting foolish, I started to behave like the way they were. And then they manipulated a video and sent it to my employer, which had nothing to do with them. Um, actually, I believe that's a Karen move. Um, and they contacted my employer and had me terminated. Um, and they felt successful in that. Then we come jumping to you this summer. Your, you, you, you lost your job because of this? Yes, yeah, I did. They sent the video that they made of me. They okay. added music to it and they edited it for certain parts and they sent it to every single employer, or sorry, every single employee at Hyundai. And Hyundai had let me go because they didn't want to lose any business. Okay. So Which, continue. So that brings us to this year. Haley has been working since last summer. There's been many other incidents, but for the most part, she's been able to, to handle it, to ignore it, and to continue to do her job. On this particular day, my daughter did contact me to let me know that she was pushed and that she was feeling threatened and that she had anxiety. As a mother, I'm going to go down there and check on my daughter and make sure she's okay, which is what I did. Um, I can't really speak too much in regards to the charge that took place as that is actually going through court right now. Right. And I can assure that they are definitely over-exaggerating and that did not take place the way that they are claiming. Um, I what did not did, touch what, 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 what did take place? Um, I can't speak too much on that because like I said, there is an investigation. Okay. But me coming down there speaking with my daughter, making sure she was okay. Um, and then there was obviously people there yelling and doing everything else. Um, and it's hard to talk about without getting into details. I understand. Um, but yeah, so at the end of the day, I went down there to ask them to stop talking to my daughter. Okay. Leave her alone. She is an employee. She's doing her job. She doesn't make the decisions as far as what horse goes out. 
and if they're allowed to go out or if this is legal or any of that. She is employed by somebody. Right. And if they want to protest that, I have nothing against that. I believe that they are very passionate about what they believe in and that's wonderful, but not everybody is going to have the same view as them. And if they don't share the same view as you, that doesn't mean you can go attacking somebody. Have Verbally, you, emotionally, physically. Have you had any feedback um, from Centennial, the owners, uh, the operators of the carriages in Niagara on the Lake? Uh, they're actually wonderful people. They've put in some protocols into place so that this type of stuff will hopefully not happen again in the future. Um, they, it, it's hard because that's where she works. That's where she is employed and where she sits on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, she monitors the horses to make sure that they have water, they don't get too hot, that they're not exhausted, yeah. and that they are kept safe. Most importantly, her job is to make sure that her customers, her, her, and the people that she works with, everything like that is kept safe. So when protesters come down and they have these large signs and they're waving them in the horse's face or they're yelling with their megaphones after they know that things can startle horses, they're purposely trying to startle the horse so that they can win their case. Have you seen... And there's no in, in your In your experience, um, or in your daughter's experience, as far as you know, I know that's sort of third-party information, but has there been any, uh, any monitoring and or security or enforcement, as in law enforcement, like safety enforcement, et cetera, employed in this? Because this, this debate, Liz, like you said, the the original thing happened a year, a couple of years ago. Your daughter's been working there for a while. Um, this seems to be one of those things, one of those situations that is really dragging its uh, proverbial feet. It just continues to bubble under the underbelly of our society in Niagara, and nothing ever seems to be able to be resolved. Um, what? Is there any security or law enforcement, or has there been a political statement from the region? Is there anything at all to, to point to the fact that there may be some resolution here? From my understanding, um, see, that's the thing. Because I don't work there, I don't, I'm not very knowledgeable on their protocols or their security levels or anything like that. I okay. just get the information from my daughter, right? Yeah. So. Um, I do know that in the past, people have called law enforcement for their assistance. I know personally from that day that I was down in Niagara on the lake that I was allegedly assaulting somebody on that day, um, that the police and by law were there and by law had asked the police assistance in recovering some information from some of these protesters so that they could be fined. They could be fined for not wearing a mask and being within six feet of people and they could be fined for using their, I think it's called a megaphone which you're not supposed to be allowed to use when you're protesting. It's not peaceful at all. It's loud, it's obnoxious, and it's annoying, and it's not peaceful whatsoever. Um, when we, when the bylaw officer had asked the officer for assistance, they did not help at all. And personally, from my experiences in the past, um, I've turned to police for incidents. Uh, for example, I have a neighbor who films me inside my bedroom from the outside and posts it online. That's voyeurism. He also runs a porn site from his home. He's not been charged. The police in the Niagara region do not care for the safety of the public. They are not there to help anybody. 
And it's just, they're just collecting a paycheck. I don't think that they're here to help anyone. And your daughter? My daughter has your daughter is your your daughter is how old? My daughter is seventeen now. She's seventeen now. How old was she when she began working with this company? I believe she was fifteen, turning sixteen. Okay, uh, so we have a, a a middle to upper middle teenager, a girl. Now, do they? What, the last time I was in Niagara-on-the-Lake, which was really less than a week ago, as a matter of fact, and we had, we had dinner uh, and uh, saw one of the carriages go by. I, I love to see the horses, but um, that, that's no, never mind one way or the other. Um, and they were in pairs. There were two people in the driver's seats uh, of this particular carriage. Do they... Do they all go out in pairs now, Liz, or are they are or are there single drivers that go out in carriages? That's a really good question. Unfortunately, my daughter doesn't drive the, the carriages, so I'm not very knowledgeable as to their protocols as how many drivers are on. From my understanding, it's only one driver. Maybe they were training somebody that day, and Could've so been. they had somebody okay. else on the carriage. Sorry, but. Again, I'm okay. not exactly sure. I, I just wondered if that might have been one of the protocols that was put in place. Um, Liz, thank you. This is a very, uh, as I mentioned to Talar from the Ban Horse Carriages Niagara organization earlier, it is a divisive issue. It's an unfortunate issue that pits um, human against human because of animals. And uh, I guess that's something that will stay with us for a long, long time because it's not the first or the last debate that we'll have about this. Uh, but I do believe, here, here's what I believe. I believe that a teenage girl uh, who is trying to make some extra money um, should be able to go to work in an environment that we all expect. And that is an environment of respect and so, sorry, the bees are around here. Uh, a, an environment of respect and safety. That much I do believe. Uh, yeah. and, if, and, and if they feel that they're not in an environment of respect and safety, then, then something needs to be done about that, irrespective of people's beliefs, one side or the other. So, um, thank you, Liz, for being here. I know we can't uh, dig too deeply into what your legal situation is at the moment, but perhaps you'll keep us up to date, and as things uh, move forward and move along, you'll be uh, back to be able to have a chat with us. Thank you, and I just want to end with, again, to the protesters directly. You're welcome to protest. That is your right. It is also my right for my daughter to work in peace and feel safe. It's my daughter's option to work there. If she wants to work there, she will. I just ask that if you're going to continue to, to protest, please do it peacefully. Um, and if you feel the need to bully anybody, don't bully a child because that's what they are, a child. They are young. They're not the same age as you. They're not the same size as you. They are being intimidated with all the mental health issues that are going on in the world right now. There is no reason for people to be attacking other people because they don't believe in the same thing. I think to resolve all of this, it would be best to have a designated protest area um, and hopefully that would resolve some things. And just uh, a little comment, I did catch a little bit of your interview a few minutes ago with the other lady there. Yeah. Um, she was in that, with their footage and that the footage that they have posted um, is at three o'clock. The incident had happened just before 2.47 because the call was made to the police at 2.47.
Okay. So I've also posted videos on there where they, my daughter is standing beside her pylon and the lady, that the 69-year-old lady that allegedly pushed my daughter, you can see her bullying my daughter and kicking her pylon off the sidewalk like a child. Um, so I just want to end with, you have the right to protest, but leave my daughter alone. Peace. Liz Beattie, thank you for joining us today. And uh, I know we haven't heard the end of this story by a long shot. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Kevin, 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 Kevin. Yeah, here, let me throw this up for you, Lee. Because okay. There you go right there. Yeah, there's the kicking of the pylon. I mean, it is fairly juvenile to do something like this, right? Well, I mean, of course it is. Like, here we go. I'll show you. I'm going to kick your pylon off the side. Yeah, of oh boy, I'll show you. I'll hurt you. But again, you're a 17-year-old girl doing a job that at this point in time is legal. You're not breaking the law. You're not whipping the animals. Uh, you're not doing something... Sorry about the, the bee thing. Uh, like, man, take a pill and relax. By all means, go to the politicians. 17-year-old kids sitting in a carriage aren't going to do you any damn good at all. Now, Lee, uh, just to update the green room Thank again. Thank you, Kevin, the show, for breaking in there. The show is open to everyone all the time. We have a couple people in there. We know we also want to speak to uh, Madeline Chabot. Madeline Chabot, yeah. And she's in there as well. But uh, right now, just trying to connect with Brody. He's been waiting for probably 15 or 20 minutes. Okay, we'll so, do um, it. Sorry, Madeline, to keep you waiting. But uh, we'll get to you in a bit there, kiddo. And so I just got to come around that side and... Uh, you got to come onto my side. Yeah, I got to come onto your side. But there's oh a... man, I don't know. I don't know if the union will like that. Okay, here we go. A uh, missing person, 13-year-old in Grimsby, has been located. Oh, I'll just terrific! Throw that up there, and I'll terrific. Yeah, that post came up uh, earlier today about the missing teen. Uh, came up on Niagara 411. Uh, thank you to uh, Nick, by the way, of Niagara 411, and to all of you supporters and contributors and uh, like um, amateur reporters or whatever, uh, because amazing things are, are accomplished on Niagara 411. Stolen items are found, uh, missing people are found, and here's a, an example right here. The missing teen in Grimsby has been located. This announcement actually came officially from the Niagara Regional Police Service, and uh, a 13-year-old uh, child found safe in, uh, excuse me, in Grimsby. So that's good. Um, so and who, Kevin? Who was it that you said uh, we had in the in the green room? Uh, we were trying to connect with uh, Brody, but you know, some people just click the link erroneously, thinking that that's the way to view the program okay. rather than just watching it on Facebook or Twitter. All right. Um, so, anyway, I think that's what happened there with Brody. But again, the show is open to anybody. Yeah. We've got Jessica Friesen. Uh, Jessica Friesen, yes, uh, uh, CEO of Gales Gas Bars, who fuel this program and have done for a while, but we are bringing her on not as the CEO of Gales, but as a, a, a published author uh, about a subject that is near and dear to the hearts and emotions of many, 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 many millions of women around the world. So we're going to talk to Jessica about that around 1 o'clock today. Our, our time frame is fluid. Do we have Madeline now? All right. Um, Madeline Chabot, how are you doing today, kiddo? You I'm got us? I'm doing well, thanks, Lee. Good, we can, see, <laughs> we can see you, we can hear you, and uh, so all is well with the world. Now, um, this is just sort of an exploratory conversation because um, you are 
uh, a now retired elementary school teacher. How long have you been on the beach, by the way? What do you mean? On retired. Oh, oh, sorry. That's what we call retired <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> uh, since June 2020, the end of June 2020. All right. So, 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 so you you got out of the craziness just a little bit after this whole COVID thing started, right? Yes, I was online teaching from March until the end of June. Okay, and how many years were you a teacher? 30. 30, 30 years. 30 years. Oh my goodness, the stories you would have to tell. There are a few. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, a um, year and a half later, we've got, uh, we've got now Madeline Chabot, rookie crossing guard. Now, I, 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 would have, I would have thought, after 30 years of elementary school children, that you might have had enough of the little darlings. What brought you back into contact? Well, uh, you'd be right. In the beginning, that's absolutely correct. That's how I felt. Um, and I, people would ask me. And I would say, no, 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 I've had enough, I've had enough. But after being here for, uh, as you said, for quite a while and for COVID, um, I kind of missed having that interaction with the, with the children, to be honest, because yeah. that was my most favorite part of my job. So what made you decide to do, to, to, there are a lot of uh, part-time things you could have done just to keep yourself busy. You're still, you're still a young woman. I mean, you're not going to just sort of sit in a rocking chair for the next 30 years. So um, what, what made you pick Crossing Guard? Um, well, I, because I am retired, I thought, well, what could I do to keep myself active, um, to keep myself in touch um, with the community? And I do like interacting with people on most days. Um, <laughs> and as I said, <laughs> I, I did kind of miss the, the, the interaction with the children. So I thought, well, what can I do that won't um, take up my whole day? Because as I, I do enjoy um, being able to do what I want and right. go where I want. Um, so Crossing Guard came to mind, so it kind of filled all of my boxes that I so, was looking for. So what did you have to do to become a Crossing Guard? Well, I went on the uh, City of St. Catharines website and filled out a application form for Crossing Guard probably about, uh, what was it, a number of months ago. And then I received a phone call from the department that deals with the uh, crossing guards and they offered me to come in for an interview. So, and I had to submit a resume as well and have a police background check. And I guess you passed. <laughs> I did, I even had to be fingerprinted. Can you imagine? Yeah. Years teaching. Well, you're- Do you're, one of those every year. I mean, probably the most sensitive job that anyone can have these days is a job that puts you in contact with children because yes. it, it, it's such a sensitive subject uh, and rightfully so how how people who have contact with children every day that that they be like as much above board as is humanly possible to find out so I, I you know I can understand it being a big deal um, 
Um, I'm just going to do a little side here. Kevin, I think one of our monitor cameras has uh, taken a deep dive here. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Sorry. That's okay. okay. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of looking at ceiling tiles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix that for you, Madeline. Okay. So, um, down there, Kevin. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway. So, you went through the process. Um, viewers said, yep, hey, Madeline, we'd love to have you come and, uh, and work for us, et cetera, and do that thing. So, what is, when they tell you as a crossing guard, here's your mandate, here's what you got to do, here's the, I mean, there's obviously training involved and, and, and all that. Yes. Was, was there anything that came as a surprise to you, or was it more involved than you thought it was? Or, I mean, you know, we see crossing guards out all, all the time, and it looks pretty, pretty normal, pretty uh, simple kind of job. And I'm not saying it's being a lawyer, but I mean, you've got to have some stress, right? Oh, uh, I have to say, first the first day, I was very nervous, and even when I was in training, I was very nervous because, well, you're stepping out into traffic. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there were some things I learned that, uh, just some incidences that have happened with crossing guards, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, but the whole fact that, uh, you know, making sure that the traffic is where they're supposed to be and what happens if they're not, what do you do? Right. Um, that, that's, that's a bit of a, that was a learning curve. That was a learning curve, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, was there anything that uh, came as a real surprise to you? Um, for, as in, not really, to be honest. Um, just uh, when it comes to interaction with children. I guess I was, yes. One thing that stood out that we were told, as being a teacher for all those years, um, the way I interacted with students was, um, uh, you know, if a student came and hugged me, I hugged them. Um, and even after 30 years, that's the way it was. And I always have called my students, it's a habit, love or hun or sweetheart. And um, in crossing guard training, I was told not to do that, which I was really surprised. Um, because I've always done it my entire teaching career. Um, but that was one of the things that I was, and about the hugging, like, you know, they may come, but do not uh, reciprocate. Yeah. Uh, and I understand the reasoning behind that, but I was just, I guess I was still a little. So it's like, it's, it, it's uh, I'm, so they would prefer absolutely zero physical contact if possible, right? Exactly. And also, um, the other thing is, is you know, they, they warned you about uh, children, especially older children, who might not do as you ask, and what to do in those situations, which is very different from me as a teacher in the classroom. Way more control in the classroom than out there, that's yeah. for sure. Do so, you have any you know. problem kids that don't go... Um, that, that, that don't stop when they're supposed to stop or go when they're not supposed to go and that kind yes. of thing? Yes, I've encountered uh, the same ones over the past. This is only my third day, but believe it or not, the same ones uh, the third day uh, we're going on. Uh, they're older, um, but uh, yes, they just don't necessarily do as I ask them to do. 
So now you work you know. twice a you work you work twice a day. I often wondered that that would be kind of like well crossing guards, bus drivers, uh, people like that that sort of follow the schedule of of the schools of the education system is. Um, so you get up in the morning and you spend an hour, hour and a half, or whatever it is, on your job, and then you have to go back in the afternoon. That's kind of uh, that's quite a commitment, isn't it? It is, um, and it does kind of uh, for someone who's retired. It does limit you to where you can go, what you can do. Yeah. Um, but the city seems to be flexible. So if I need it to have. Uh, time off or you know that they're they are very um, receptive to things like that so yeah. but it gives it gives a purpose too I'm not just floundering and with COVID uh, it's a good thing so it's a good uh, thing. you thought you'd you thought you'd like doing this before you started doing it now you're about what three days in yes uh, are you are you gonna stick with it you still think you like it I still think I like it. We'll we'll see what it's like in when it's uh, snowing out. Ah yes. <laughs> um, and the cold. Uh, that should be interesting. Uh, and I did actually have to wear my entire rain outfit. So fashionable! Oh my goodness! <laughs> Yesterday, hysterical. Um, so you know that was kind of funny, but uh, we'll see what uh, uh Tom when it's winter. How are <laughs> because. Uh you know uh, yeah. yeah how are our drivers doing any message for the uh, for the public on how our drivers are doing I'm really actually surprised um, you know that law came into effect a few years ago that um, when people are using the crosswalk or in the street you are not supposed to move mm -hmm. or make your turn until they're cleared of the road like literally off the road that came into law um, it's amazing how many people do not do that. And I'm very surprised by it. So they're turning. I have one area where it's a right turn. And yesterday, the students had not fully reached the sidewalk and the car turned, but it's not the only one. A number of cars do not follow. I haven't cleared the crosswalk and they're moving and they're just not supposed to do that. Do you have the opportunity, uh, and then I'll let you go, but uh, do you have the opportunity if, if some driver, if some driver does something that is, is truly uh, endangering the lives yeah. of either the children or yourself, do you have the opportunity or the process to report that license plate or anything like, is there any, can you do that? Yes, I actually, uh, we were given, a little uh, pad and you know we carry pens and if we're able to get the license plate um, we write it down we uh, have two options we bring it to the school that's my home school and give it to them or we directly contact my um, my area at uh, city hall and report that license plate you know. Great. I'm glad that uh, I'm so glad that protocol is in place. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't hear you. Sorry. No, I, I just said sorry. Go ahead. I I cut you off. Oh no! I just said so. We do have that. Uh, so two options: you report it and hand it into the school, or you report it to City Hall, to the department that I work for, and then it goes from there. Cool. Uh, 
Madeline, thanks for joining us today. Um, conversation I've wanted to have with somebody for a while, and it uh, it, it just happened that, that this this worked out. Uh, enjoy yourself uh, even in the winter, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. I hope. Okay. All right. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Madeline Chabot, rookie crossing guard, the rookie. <laughs> Whole new television show. Okay. Um, we have. Uh, Jessica Friesen coming up. Uh, her author name is uh, Jessica Gale Friesen. Uh, in the meantime, though, have a look at this photo. You remember we've been going through a series of uh, some pretty spectacular storms, weather storms in Niagara. And look at this. I think this is what? This was Reed Photography? Uh, yeah, that is reedphoto.ca. I uh, wanted to give credit where credit is due for this photo. Look at that. That looks like something out of uh, an invasion of the monsters from outer space kind of deal. And this was the storm Tuesday night, right? Yeah. And uh, here, I'll scroll through Niagara 411 because there were a lot of submissions. I think that was the most dramatic. Yeah. Looks like the, it was some sort of panoramic setting. Oh, there were quite a few, yeah. But obviously somebody knew what they were doing with the camera on that one. There's one, there's like some interesting cloud formations for sure. That there. Amazing. Am I looking at the sky or am I looking at the sea? I don't know. There's, well, it looks like we're looking at the top of a lighthouse. So. And there's sort of sky and sea coming together. Look at this. That's obviously the Port Dalhousie Lighthouse. Crazy. All right. And, and photos often, as you know, do not necessarily do justice to reality. So look at that. Look at the differentiation, the dense, dense, dense black, gray, black sky, the light shining through, and then the, the lighter edges is just, wow. look at that. Fantastic stuff. That was a doozy of a storm, Lee. I, oh I man, guess I yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, uh, that was a doozy. Anyway, I will uh, throw this up here as means of introduction for our next guest, author Jessica Gelfriesen. Yeah. As a registered nurse, having graduated from one of the most prestigious universities in Canada, Jessica thought she was ready to become a mother. She had planned her whole life around having children and was anxiously awaiting the arrival of her son. But complications in the delivery room caused a rocky start to motherhood, and she was soon struggling with her own mental health in a way that made every day seem like a recurring nightmare. And a period that should have been joyous, magical, and full of love became a time of despair, terror, and reclusion. Now a successful business professional, Jessica wants to help continue to shed light on mental health. She has put her story on paper in this heartfelt but gut-wrenching depiction of one mother's struggles with postpartum depression. Um, that is uh, part of the explanation that's up on Amazon and there's the, uh, the book cover itself. Uh, you can purchase the book on Amazon right now online and um, she joins us now. Uh, Jessica Gale Friesen uh, and uh, 
it's hard to separate the business person from the person person, but we're going to try to do that today. First of all, Jessica, we again, uh, I'll break my first rule of, uh, of separation here. Thank you and your company for uh, fueling this program and sponsoring it. It's great to, it's great to have your support. Thank you. Thank you for the job that you do, Lee. Um, and again, you're not here because of that. You're here because of a very, very engaging story that none of us, and I've known you since you were a little girl. Nobody likes to hear that, but it's true. It, <laughs> it, it, it ages me, it doesn't age you. Um, but I've known you since you were just a little tyke, and, um, and I love your kids, the wonderful, just great family. No one would have ever guessed watching your family in action, which I've had a chance to do, that there was ever any psychological or emotional issue at all. You did a hell of a job of hiding it, which must, must have been part of the problem. Certainly. Absolutely it was. Now, yep. so let's, let's walk it back to the beginning, as, as per that introduction. You always wanted to be a mom. Um, tell us about those early early feelings of, because not a lot of women feel naturally disposed, oh, I want, but but others do. Like motherhood is a big, big deal for them. Um, walk us back to the beginning. Yep, so um, my, my whole childhood, my whole uh, life, I knew that I wanted to be a mom. I knew that I wanted to be a young mom. Um, I knew that um, that was a major goal in my life, whether, um, whether by, I could have kids biologically or, you know, if, if something went sideways and I'd have to adopt, that I, I was open to either. Uh, but I really just, I knew that I wanted to be a mom and have kids in, in my life. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet my husband when we were in high school. Um, so we've been together for, for a couple of decades now. And uh, he was of the same mind. And we both wanted to have kids early so upon graduating from university and um, uh, having uh, gotten married we decided that we were going to kind of give it the old you know college try um, right away and we were lucky enough to get pregnant uh, immediately more or less immediately and I had a very easy pregnancy it wasn't um, nothing serious to speak of but um, in the delivery room I was a registered nurse at that time. I, I practiced on a post-surgical floor, so I dealt with a lot of uh, patients that had had epidurals. And I just knew that, I knew that epidurals were very safe, but I also knew that uh, I was not comfortable with uh, an epidural for myself. It was just a, a personal decision. So um, my son came a couple of weeks early. I hadn't had the opportunity to have the conversation with my obstetrician um, about pain management and in the delivery room I decided to have a shot of Demerol okay. and I am one of the one in a million type women who uh, is allergic to Demerol oh, and no. we found out uh, in that moment we did not know it before um, and I started hallucinating uh, I was uh, violently ill I don't remember uh, the birth of my son um, and he was taken away from me immediately because the Demerol had actually affected him as well. He had very low oxygen saturation. And that really started us off on the wrong foot. As yes. a 
as a registered nurse, I felt that I should have been, uh, I should have been better prepared. I should have been smarter and I should have known what to do in the delivery room. Um, and all I could think was that I had made a decision that could potentially change my son's life forever um, in the final moments of my pregnancy. And that really started us off on the wrong, wrong foot. And I was absolutely terrified that someone would realize that I had made that horrific decision and would realize that I was incapable as a mother and that I, I should not have my son, that someone would come one day and uh, take him away from me. And I had recurring nightmares of that happening. So um, I did, I hid it from everyone in my, in my life. Um, I became uh, super controlled in my life. And by that, I mean, I stayed home. I did not go out unless my husband was with me or perhaps my mother. Um, I stayed home all the time because that was an environment that I could control. Four walls where I could control absolutely everything that was happening within it. I knew the schedule that my son was on. I knew exactly what was going on, but, but venturing out into the wide world was something that I just, it was beyond my capacity um, to do at that point in time. And looking back on it now, knowing that I had come from a very fast-paced uh, nursing floor where I was taking care of you know, 10 to 15 patients of various different acuities and coming to my own house with one baby and not being able to breathe at times. Um, it should have stood out to me more than it did, but I was so far, um, I was so far gone, I'll say, that I couldn't recognize it for myself in that moment in time. Did you, did you in the back of your mind somewhere realize that you were in trouble? I knew that something wasn't right, um, but back then and even now, women didn't really talk about the bad parts of being a mom, you know? It's not all rainbows and hearts and everything. It's tough. It's really tough to be a parent. And people back then, or at least the people that I knew, didn't talk about what could go wrong because they didn't and, and, and it was you know well-intentioned they didn't want to scare a new mom they didn't want to scare a pregnant woman and, and that's fine but at the same time you need to go into being a parent with with your blinders off being fully proactive and knowing everything that could possibly happen and I feel like postpartum depression still is not something that people talk about We've had a huge mental health wave in the last 10 years, which is wonderful. Um, but we need to talk about postpartum depression more specifically because there are literally lives being lost because women are so um, depressed and so lost and feel lost. Um, and that's just one, one aspect of mental health. Because of this, I've, yeah. I've become a mental health advocate. Um, you know, it's just my example. It's how I can empathize with individuals. One of the therapies that uh, people that I'm aware of have suffered one sort of mental illness or another is writing, writing their stories down or writing their thoughts down, even if they're not supposed to be told to anyone else. So when it came to 
Um, I have two questions here. Well, I have more. I have a hundred, but right now, just a couple. Um, the first one is, um, why did it take, or how, what, and what mindset were you were uh, were you when you started writing this book? Because you're, I mean, Eddie is what now, fifteen almost, or is fifteen? Just, just over fourteen. Just over fourteen. Okay, so why? A, when did you realize that you wanted to do this and speak out uh, about a difficult subject? Um, and, and B, has the writing down of it helped you? So I took a number of years to really reflect on what had happened and uh, came to terms with what had happened. And this isn't a uh, singular episode in my life. Um, just as with anybody, your mental health is just as important as your physical health, and it's something that you need to uh, take care of. And, you know, I have bad days just like everybody else. And um, so what happened was uh, I took over Gail's Gas Bars in 2014. I became owner-operator. And in the spring of 2019, I was uh, coming up to my five-year anniversary. And I felt really proud about that because... Well, for three reasons. So one, I'm a third generation owner operator. And usually the, the stigma is that the third generation usually tanks the company. And I hadn't done that and I still haven't. So I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, two, uh, you know, I'm a female in a very heavily male dominated industry. So uh, again, to be five years out, I was proud of that. And to be hitting my five year anniversary, most startups uh, die within the first five years. So those three things really, I, I was very proud. And I was looking for a way to celebrate that and to give back to Niagara to the people that had supported me in my in my um, endeavor. So a friend of mine happened to be chair of the United Way Niagara Capital Campaign that year and she came to me and asked if I'd like to uh, be the leadership sponsor and I said yes, absolutely. And with that, I was given the opportunity to speak at their uh, kickoff breakfast in September of 2019. And with that opportunity, I really sat back and reflected on why I wanted to uh, make this donation, why it was important, why that, that particular organization was important. Um, and it all comes back to the fact that I believe that no one should have to suffer. No one in this world deserves to suffer, and I have suffered. Um, I suffered with postpartum depression. And for the first time publicly, I, I stated that I had gone through that, um, and that that was really one of the reasons why I was uh, supporting United Way. What I didn't expect to happen was the response that I received from women in the audience. I had women coming up to me with tears in their eyes, saying thank you for being honest thank you it's nice to know i'm not alone i received phone calls and emails after that and it, that really got me to thinking you know it, it at that point in time it had been 12 years since my son was born and i was okay with what i had gone through i had you know reflected on it and come to terms with it and and i was very comfortable with it and i thought maybe i can help people and i started writing and um, it took a while, COVID, you know, um, but this January I did what I now know is called a dump and for three or four days I sat down and 
basically did nothing but write. And after that, I sent an excerpt to a girlfriend of mine who is a publisher, and I said, hey, is there any uh, merit to this? You know, it was very cathartic for me. To, so to answer your second question, it was extremely cathartic for me to, to write this, to re really get back into that time and to remember things that I had forgotten about that time. Um, so my girlfriend looked into the, the market and she said, you know what, Jess, I think there might be there might be um, a need for this. There's a lot of expert opinions out there. There's a lot of expert books, doctors and, sure. and whatnot talking about it, but there's not a lot in the first person. So um, we went forward with it. And uh, now I'm very proud to uh, there be the it author is. of this, this Will Not Break Me. And, that, must, uh, that, yeah, that, I, that must have been a little bit almost like giving birth itself when this book went to went to print and finally <laughs> dropped. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I, I give it to any author. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um, Jessica, I, I'm, I was just, while you were telling me the story, just so moved by the fact that because of what happened in, in the delivery room, that immediate sense of guilt that you felt because you should have been able, you should have been able to prevent it. That is a, I hear stories, not because of that particular incident, but for many different reasons. Um, and my mom was one of them for a number of years as well. Is like, if, if anything is, is wrong at all, even if it's something minor, whether it's something major or whatever, with, with their child, mothers have this overwhelming sense of it's their fault. Uh, and, and it's, it, it, and that's where all of this started for you. I find that just, it's, it's kind of sad that, and there's nothing that can take it away. You, you feel that guilt and that's where it goes. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't feel the guilt immediately. I felt the terror that someone was going to take him from me. Yeah. But um, when, when Eddie was born, the only way I can explain it is that I felt absolutely nothing for him. You know, they say that when, 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 a, when a child uh. is born, you you feel this absolute moment of intense heartbreak and you would do anything for your child and i didn't have that um i, wow. I didn't have that for for about six months and i can remember the moment when i had that and it was in december of that year so he was six months old and my heart absolutely broke and i fell in love with my son um and that almost had like a, a dark ring around it because it also came with this sense of regret that he had lived for six months being well taken care of. Don't get me wrong. He was fed and he was bathed and, you know, everything, everything looked right, right. but his mother felt nothing for him. Wow. Um, and I think, you know, even to this day, um, Eddie and I have a really special little relationship. And I think it's because for 14 years now, I've been trying to make up for the first six months. Fascinating. Jessica, um, who, who did you publish this through? Now, I know, I know it's a self-published novel, but you have assistants and, and advisors and whatnot along the way. How did you do that? For people that um, have a story to tell and they don't know how to do this, how did you do it? So uh, there is a fantastic publishing company out of Niagara Falls. They are right down the street from my office called Onera Media, it's O-W-N-E-R-A Media. Uh, Brandy Henderson and Rowena Prudente 
They are absolutely top-notch uh, publishers. They do magazines. They do books. They do whatever you want. And um, I have a fantastic relationship with them. We, we are still working on projects moving forward. And I would highly, highly advise anyone to give them a call. Thank you for that, because I know there are a lot of people that have, as I said, ideas or things or whatever, and, and don't know where to go, don't know how to start, you know, how to, how yeah. to, get, it, how to get going. So yep. that's, uh, I was just lucky. Brand, Brandy and I had uh, actually worked together uh, in volunteering uh, several years ago, so we, we knew each other from back then. Who should read this book, Jess? Everybody. Anybody who uh, has a child who is, who is pregnant, who is pregnant, anyone who is um, supporting someone who has a young child or uh, is looking to become pregnant, but also, like I said, it's just one example of a person's mental health journey. This is a bigger story, and I think that people um, can take a great number of things from, from my book, not just about postpartum depression. That's just the example. It's a bigger story about mental health and the support that people need, uh, being able to have that conversation and really talk about it, and that's the key is yeah. opening the conversation and being honest and being supportive. Wow, okay. So I know we can get it online through Amazon. Right now it's not available on bookshelves uh, here in Niagara, but uh, we, had the, we, we had the shot of the, uh, of the website up there where people can go and get this book, and uh, they can also go to your, uh, your Facebook page and find out all about it, etc. So uh, Jessica Gale Friesen, uh, thank you for... Um, I guess exposing yourself once again here uh, on the program. Thank you all, as always, for your support. Uh, and uh, the strength is amazing. The story is incredible. And uh, again, right here in Niagara. Thank you, Jess. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for the opportunity, Lee. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there it is there, Lee. Yeah, wow. On Amazon, this will not break me. Twenty six ninety five for the paperback, and there's probably an and you can get a Kindle book for less, uh, ten bucks, 10 if bucks. you're uh, doing the Kindle thing. Yeah, wow, pretty pretty good. Uh, Lee, coming up musically, we're going to feature uh, Ashley Standish, who's actually Ashley Standish. Now, this is some solo work from about a year ago. Recently, she's formed a local trio, three females, and they call themselves What's Her Name. <laughs> We're working with their publicist and trying to line them up for a future program. That's good. I guess we may as well note now that uh, next week's program is going to be on the Wednesday, the 15th. Yes, yes. Uh, next week, uh, uh, a new time just for the week because there are, uh, are other things that jump in the way from time to time. So uh, next Wednesday, the 15th of September, will be episode number 37 of uh, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. That, uh, that's me. Uh, and again, uh, in addition to Gale's Gas, who fuel this program, uh, thank you to our sponsors, Performance Heating and Air. They uh, are a local company looking after your heating and air conditioning needs and all of those things, and they try to keep your prices down because they have families here too. Enwick, high-speed internet, no contract fees, uh, the best uh, rural but also urban high-speed internet you're going to get in Niagara and to Verge Insurance Group for all of your insurance needs. We also thank, uh, thank them very much for continuing to support this program. Kevin, we have a few minutes. Uh, there are a couple of stories that uh, came um, 
came about over the last 24 hours. One of them this morning, I have to tell you. I told you the story, I think, before we came on the air, Kev. And I, I read it this morning. Uh, and it is true. It's not fake news. It is true. Um, and it just stayed with me for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and I know this is not a Niagara story, but it could happen here. So that sort of justifies me in mentioning this to you is today. Is this the um, McDonald's guy? Yeah. Crazy story. Vancouver. A McDonald's drive through That sets the scene. All McDonald's drive throughs uh, pretty much look the same. Be they in Vancouver or Newfoundland Labrador, uh, it's a McDonald's drive through Could be the one next door to you. So this, this man is driving through the drive through driving up to the window. He has his card out ready to pay for his order and he drops the card outside the car. He then opens the car door to retrieve his card. Unfortunately, at the same time he leans out, uh, his car is still moving forward. He hasn't stopped the car by putting it in park or anything. The, the, the car is still in gear. And he is reaching to retrieve his card. The, card, uh, the car continues to move forward. He is then trapped because as you go through, the door is closing. He is now trapped between the open door and the door jam of the car. And he died. He died. He opened the door, reached out to pick up the car, at which point the car rolled forward, pinning him. The driver was unable to free himself from the vehicle as he was pinned between the vehicle door and frame. The Vancouver Police Department added in a release, he died at the scene. I, it just, I don't know why, Kevin, but it affect, it, it, it really stuck with me today that we really need to be more watchful of our everyday activities than perhaps we are. Maybe it was unpreventable. Maybe, maybe it, what? I, I don't, I don't know, but, and there are those, there are these prophets that say, well, when your time is up, it's up. But who would, like, who writes that down in a book? John Smith will, that's not his name. I don't know what his name was and it doesn't matter. But, I mean, John Smith is going to die trapped between his car door jam and the door at a McDonald's drive-thru on September the 9th. Like, who writes that down in a book somewhere? What a weird series of events. Dude, we've all done that. We've all dropped something and it just, it just, like, at a drive-thru or a bank machine, right? We have to open the door to pick it up. Or you drop a dollar. Uh, like know, he's a, probably reaching out to grab it, then his foot comes off the brake. He, yeah, he had his foot on the brake. Yeah, the car really, it's over, foot comes off, car goes forward. I don't it know. Does, it does. just... Uh, and uh, and no, there's, there's no Crazy. humor here at, at all no, I mean we're not it's just I think you're making the point that you know cherish every day and hug exactly because you hug never tighter. you you never know from one second to the next what stupid thing or crazy or unimaginable thing is going to happen that puts you in harm's way now if you went through your entire day every day 
worrying about things like that it would make you crazy so like there has to be a balance between being careful and being paranoid <laughs> you know but oh gosh and uh, yeah here's a photo from uh, niagara 411 this morning about a broken water main in welland thanks to jp for the photo yep and this is uh what wellington street in welland from east main to hager there you go yep that's and did you see some of the some of the flood footage from places like Philadelphia, New York over the last uh, ten days or something of that nature? And again, again, I'm struck by the the moderate nature of the weather patterns uh, and the geography that we have here in Niagara that enables us to avoid a lot of very extreme weather that other regions experience that I can't imagine. I mean, Louisiana again because of uh, Hurricane Ida that was down there and then it was Ida that actually affected New York and Pennsylvania as well um, there's uh, Hurricane Larry supposed to hit this weekend on Newfoundland Labrador uh, out there once again we won't we might uh, experience some rain or something and every now and then we get a, a, a pretty stormy night like we had back on Tuesday the pictures that we saw earlier but nothing to the point where we're really endangering thousands of people because of an extreme weather pattern um, we are we are very fortunate living in this little pocket of uh, of southern Ontario that we do here in Niagara very very fortunate although I'll tell you that storm overnight Tuesday we had a lot of local flooding Ooh, I don't know if you drove yeah. through some puddles but I did oh yeah yeah I mean it was uh, it was severe and then the storm that followed yesterday morning and into kind of midday was interesting because I had to travel from St. Catharines to Port Colver yeah the North Shore, Lake Erie, Southern Niagara, beautiful day yesterday, not a rain cloud in the sky. <laughs> Meanwhile, St. Catharines, it was doom and gloom. Yeah. yeah doom and gloom. Uh, do you have the, the photo handy of the boxer and the intruder? Can you find those guys for Oh, me? yeah, 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 I can find those guys. Yeah. So this is something that is going around the internet again, around social media, but it actually happened in 2008. This gives you an idea of how social media can manipulate stories over time sometimes immediately and uh, and sometimes just over time so I'll give you a little bit of background on this story before Kevin calls up the picture uh, there are two neighbors one of them is a 72 year old man the other one is a younger man in his 20s they have been uh, having a numerous uh, numerous occasions of confrontation as neighbors because of well you know neighbors being neighbors uh, and uh, often the young fellow had uh, had some rather loud parties next door on a few occasions the older gentleman that lived next door had called the police and they had come to be uh, to be involved okay so oh yeah that's the that's the Plymouth Herald yeah so they want me to agree story. to all of their stuff they showed me the article there a second ago and here now, I, I, I put I put it up on another an, another link there too there he is right there, there okay so there's the picture uh, obviously you figured out that the young man on the left has had a bad day <laughs> the the older gentleman uh, on the right hasn't had such a bad day they are the neighbors now the story that they would like you if you scroll up there kevin a little bit the story they would like you to believe is that this older gentleman uh is you don't have to scroll up if it doesn't work doesn't matter i know the story anyway yeah. that the older gentleman is uh, an ex-boxer 
uh, an ex-Royal Marine, this, uh, this happened in uh, the United Kingdom, an ex-Royal uh, Marine and, uh, and was also an instructor in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Okay, so first he was not an ex-Royal Marine. Secondly, uh, he was not an instructor in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But what is true is the fact that he was a very, very accomplished amateur boxer. So, uh, things escalate. There is, a, there is a report of a loud party at the young man's home. He believes the older gentleman, his neighbor, has called it into the local constabulary. He goes next door with a knife and confronts the older gentleman, who is 72 years old at the time, uh, and his wife with a knife. The results of this are quite graphic and easily I don't have to explain what happened next. So, uh, and uh, the young man was uh, sentenced to four years in jail. <laughs> That's a comeuppance for you? Yeah, so um, you don't necessarily judge a book by its cover, as uh, they say, and I guess that's a timely comment, uh, think, considering we're talking about books. But uh, yeah, so if you see that, if you see that story, it's kind of sort of almost true, but it happened in 2008. This is not a new story. This isn't a, this so. Don't go spreading it around and saying, yeah, yeah." So <laughs> um, again, to uh, to Gales uh, and to. Uh, performance Heating and Air into Enwick, as well as Virgin Insurance. Thank you. We stream Kevin always, uh, as per usual, uh, an, an exemplary job of producing this program. And uh, if you have any event or uh, or occasion that you would like to have people there in person, but you can't, those are the guys. We stream. Uh, they do it better. I mean, this is. Uh, this is a national news broadcast quality program, uh, and I say that not to brag because I have nothing to do with it except I sit, just sit here and Kevin tries to make me look good. Other than that, it's all up to WeStream. See how good you look? It's hard work, Lee. I know. I know. When you're working with this material, Kevin, it's not easy. So for music today, we've got the Full Moon Sessions. This was recorded at the G3 Studios. Mike Farkas and his team the with the Niagara Falls artist Ashley Standish. Again, we'll try and get her on the show, talk more about her band, what's her name. Uh, yeah. But this is some solo work recorded about a year ago during the pandemic. Quickly, I want to thank our guest, Talai from the Band Horse Carriages, Niagara on the Lake. Thank you for coming in uh, and, uh, and exposing your story with us. Liz Beatty on the other side of, uh, of the uh, initiative there. Thanks for coming on to tell us your story. Madeline Chabot, Rookie uh, Crossing Guard. I think it's a new TV series. Watch for it uh, at a CTV show near you. Uh, Jessica Gale Friesen, thank you for, uh, again, uh, talking about your life. We will see you next Wednesday, Wednesday the 15th for uh, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. Cheers, bye. Good evening, guys. Tonight we're here with Ashley Standish for another full moon session. Ashley, what are you gonna play tonight? Um, I have a new song uh, for my solo stuff and it's called My Friend Adversity. My friend is adversity as well. I appreciate that. Awesome. Okay, let's check it out.
don't you know you're gonna sail right through this storm and the past is behind you soon turn around look forward open up those eyes and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger